Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. This is the Great Woman in Compliance podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. I'm Mary Shirley, and today we're speaking with Lisa Beth Lentini. Welcome, Lisa Beth. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks so much, Mary. My name is Lisa Beth Lentini, and a little bit about me. I've worked in the U.S. federal government, in private companies, in public companies, and I'm currently the Chief Compliance Officer and Co-Chair of the Enterprise Risk Council of a public company listed on the New York Stock Exchange. And one of my great passions in life is to help to foster a greatness in others and to develop not only great people and great professionals in the compliance space, but just overall for the world we live in. Wonderful. My uh, first impressions of Lisa Beth go way back to 2015 at the SCCE conference in Las Vegas. And she didn't know me at the time. I mean, it wouldn't be another maybe three years until we would meet each other. And Lisa Beth was introducing Christy Grant Hart before Christy's talk at that conference. And one thing that really made Lisa Beth memorable for me, and she stuck in my mind, even though I really, I didn't know her at all, was how complimentary she was when giving Christy's introduction. And Christy is someone that had previously worked for Lisa Beth and was employed by her. And so for me, it was so, just the feeling of satisfaction about watching another woman who was so proud and able to speak up and talk up about how wonderful her former employee had been. I had just such this wonderful, positive feeling about Lisa Beth. And that's why I thought it really important to have her as one of the guests on the podcast. And Lisa Beth, I bet you'd had no clue at that time three years ago that that's what I was thinking and that I would remember it further down the track. You know, I had absolutely no clue that anybody would remember my introduction of Christy at the 2015 SCCE conference. It's obviously, Christy is an amazing, amazing person, and I had the great honor and pleasure to have hired her into her first compliance role at a company when she joined the group that I was leading at uh, Carlson Vaughan Lee Travel. But, you know, I appreciate the kind introduction, Mary. I think it's so important that we're supportive of each other. And I have found that in my life, there's no greater pleasure than seeing the people who I care about and who surround me do well in whatever they choose to do, whether it's in the profession that they were working in while they were with me or in something else because they've discovered another life passion that they have. I think it's just the beauty in life is being able to see things become very successful for the people that you care about. There's nothing greater than that. I couldn't agree more. Why is it important to you to champion other women, including in our industry, of course, and how can some of us be more proactive about doing this? So to me, I'm very passionate about championing women because I think in general, there aren't enough champions for women out there yet. But I think it's about everyone. I've had many wonderful men on my team and as peers and colleagues who 
I couldn't be more pleased for as they launch into whatever they're doing as well. But to me, this all is about what the kind of life you want to live, what the kind of person you want to be. It's about being kind and supportive. And I think that's important in friendships. I think it's important in professional relationships. The people that you choose to surround yourself with in your professional life should be much like in your personal life. You wouldn't begrudge your best friend in the world from their success. Why would you take that away from the people who you work with or have reporting into you? I think the success of those around you is a huge testament to the support that you've given to those people. And to be your authentic self, you really should be able to show that kindness and support to everyone that you meet along the path. That's right. What are your ideas for those of us who are looking to be inspired about how we can be better at this? You know, there are so many different ways that you can do this. I think one of the things that I try to do is every week I carve out a little bit of time for thankfulness and gratitude. And thankfulness and gratitude can take lots of different pathways. Sometimes it's speaking up and recognizing greatness that you see in others, even when they may not see it in themselves. Taking the time to meet with someone who's new to the industry and telling them the things that you wish you had known or providing connections. You know, it's amazing how many times simple coffee conversations can lead to other opportunities and interesting turns of events. So for me, you know, taking the time to have coffee with somebody who may have just, you know, experienced a riff or is looking for something different in their life, you just never know where those conversations lead. Sometimes weeks, months, years down the road and taking the opportunities to let others shine every single day Folks remember that, and I think it leads to a better world in general. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for those tips and thoughts. What do you think it means to have it all in 2018? You know, (laughs) this is, um, it's a good question. So one of the things that I probably should have mentioned about myself is I have four children. My oldest is almost a teenager. And then I have three other children ranging down to a three-month-old infant. So I have, I would say, a fairly full plate. And I don't think that it's possible to have it all at the same time. You know, my mother, when I was growing up, she was very excited because she said, you know, you're in a position where you can have the professional career and you can be a mom and you can do all of these things and you can have it all. And I know that at the time she felt like she couldn't have had it all, but I've had to many times speak with my mother and say, mom, you know, to be honest with you, you can't have it all at the same time. You have to make decisions about what your priorities are and having it all at the same time really wouldn't be a great feeling. I mean, you would never be able to be present and truly dedicated to the things that matter if you're trying to have it all. So I think, you know, what I've been focusing on is having enough of what matters, having enough of what matters to me, having enough time to be the mother I want to be, having enough energy and passion and the ability to persuade others in my work, having the ability to be a positive force for good in other people's careers, 
that's what I focus on, you know, being able to give to the community in the way I want. Those are the things that take priority. It's not about having it all. It's about having the right stuff, the stuff that matters to you. And those things that matter to you are not the same from person to person. Much like a compliance program isn't one size fits all, there's not a life that's one size fits all. And I sometimes have to remind myself of this because you know, social media tends to, you know, have these Instagrammable moments or the Pinterest perfect X, Y, and Z. But while that may look perfect, it may not be perfect for me. It's perfect for someone else. So right now I focus in on having what matters, having that blend that's perfect for me. And that's tailored to me. And so it's a journey and a constant reminding of focusing on what is important for me and not trying to make someone else's priority my own when it comes to the life that I want to live. I think that's a wonderful answer. Thank you for that. As you mentioned, you're the parent of four children, one of whom is still a wee baby. How do you balance your role as a mom and compliance practitioner? I know you're straddling both the head of compliance and legal position at your company right now. So in addition, I wanted to ask, how has that experience been for you holding all of these multiple roles in your life? How are you juggling all of these responsibilities and interests? So, you know, I had a great series of conversations last night. I was at an event for women that was sponsored by a law firm in town. And one of the speakers was this amazing sports psychologist. And she helped to crystallize some of the thoughts that I had about really focusing in on controlling the controllables and being your best self, understanding kind of the why of what you're doing things and ruthlessly prioritizing what matters and what's important. So for me, being able to integrate all of this, because I'm not a fan of saying there's work-life balance, I don't think that really exists because that means you're constantly deciding what wins and what loses. I think it's about integrating those priorities in a way that makes sense in your life and savoring the small moments. I mean, all too often, we just don't, you know, we're rushing around and we don't take the time to say, you know, I feel really good today. And I'm going to take that moment to just think about what all these wonderful things that are going right. Because it's really easy to start focusing in on the things that didn't quite go right. And it's also about finding a way to let go of disappointments and let go of things that don't quite go your way. So I call that my little dash of grace, right? You have to have the grace to say, you know... (laughs) Today was not one of my finer moments, or I was rocking it yesterday, but the rest of the week just kind of fell apart. Well, you know, we pick ourselves up and we keep on going. I mean, with a lot on your plate, you have to decide what's going to take priority and precedence and then organize and be kind to yourself. When I think about kindness, you know, we've talked a little bit about kindness to others, but it all starts with kindness to self. If you're not kind to yourself, you can't display that kindness to others. And frankly, you know, most professional women are just the worst about self-kindness. But if you're not taking care of you, if you're not giving back to what feeds your soul, you won't be able to do all of the things you want to do. You'll be out of balance and you won't ultimately be able to 
be the person you want to be. So my key points for trying to, you know, manage a lot at one time are making sure that you're integrating appropriately, prioritizing, that you've got that kindness both internally and externally, and that you've prioritized properly. And then be patient. Sometimes life is just not turning out the way you want it to be, but that's okay. You just have to find that patience and be able to let go of the things you can't control. What you said just then reminded me of something that I just heard yesterday, which is that you cannot pour from an empty cup. Look after yourself first. And I thought that was a really striking reminder of just why self-care is important. You know, it's funny that you say that because I had this kind of life turning point with my brother. I remember it distinctly because I was, at that time I had two children. I was completely stressed out. You know, I had put on weight. I was not feeling great. I was, you know, really struggling. And I remember walking on a beach with him and it was on a holiday that we were in Southern California. And he looked at me and he was like, you need to stop and take care of yourself. And I said, but you don't understand. I've got two kids. I've got a demanding job, blah, 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 blah. And he said, stop. He said, if no one's taking care of you and you're not taking care of you, there will be nothing left of you to give to any of these other things. And I was so mad. I turned to him and I said, we need to stop talking now because I was just so wrapped up in what I was doing that I couldn't hear what he was saying. And it took me a couple of days. And then I turned around and I said to my brother, Nate, you know what? You know, I was wrong to react the way I did. And I love you. And it was probably some of the best advice I've ever gotten because it really made me take that moment to pause and to say, you know, I think I've gotten my priorities misaligned. And you're right. If there's nothing left of me, all of these other things fall apart. Some of the hardest advice in life to hear is actually the advice I find that I need the most. I would agree. One of my friends who's also in compliance and a very invested, attentive mother like yourself, Karina Volmer, who's the chief compliance officer at PAE, a government contractor, she sometimes refers to, in the American way, mom guilt, or as I would say, mum guilt. Share with us how this issue manifests for you and how you best alleviate the guilt. You know... As much as I'd like to say that there's never mom guilt, there is. And I think it's very, very much exacerbated by this whole Instagrammable life. And for me, you know, I made a decision that I was just going to let go of what everyone else's perfect looked like because you can make anything look great on social media, even if it is just the absolute, you know, worst type of situation, you can clean it up and make it look good. And you have no idea what's happening behind the scenes. So I don't envy what things look like on Facebook or any place else because there can be so many other things going on. So for me, it's all about letting go and embracing that kindness towards myself. I'm my own worst critic because if there was a type A, I would be A plus, right? Because I just am a perfectionist in some ways. But over time, I've learned that that isn't how I can be kind to me. And so I really need to make sure that I'm checking my internal messaging and turning off things that are these persistent, you know, negative criticisms and saying, you know what, I'm good enough. 
I am doing amazing things. I am managing in ways that many other people would struggle with. And I make that choice every single day. I have to earn my own way into that feeling of self-kindness and self-compassion every day. And I think that leads to a healthier, better outcome for all the people around me, for me, for my children, for my husband, for my friends and family. It's a choice to say mom guilt is not something that I'm going to allow to enter my life today. Good for you. In addition to all of this juggling, you still find the time to contribute meaningfully to your community as a volunteer. With so many worthy organizations out there, how did you prioritize selecting volunteer opportunities? So for me, it has been a series of choices and being really thoughtful about when to say yes and when to say no. Particularly early on in my career, it was really hard for me to say no because I wanted to give back so much and I wanted to take every opportunity that came my way, every speaking opportunity, everything that came my way, I wanted to be able to do and to do well. But I found over time that if I'm giving little pieces of me everywhere, then the impact is less. So I decided to make some decisions around what to prioritize. And sometimes they're really tough choices. But I find that, you know, like with many types of gardening activities, sometimes you have to cut back to grow or to grow in different ways. So again, this comes back to just developing and prioritizing your personal approach in line with your own values. And so the groups that I give back to have changed over time as, you know, my family's needs have changed and my own personal passions and and interests have changed. I love the gardening analogy. That was awesome. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) One of your keys to success is a mindfulness-based approach. Tell us some more about this. So mindfulness and gratitude, starting first with ourselves and then our families, our teams across the company, I found that this makes such a huge difference in my satisfaction with my own life and my satisfaction with everything that's going on within an organization professionally. I had my entire leadership team take a mindfulness-based class on mindfulness at work through the University of Minnesota. And it led to some really interesting dialogue. And it also led to some terrific outcomes in terms of our relationships within the business and our relationships with each other. So now at work, we have what we call our Gratitude Mondays, where we take time to thank our partners and other people that we work with through a series of compliance postcards that are handwritten. And we've gotten such great feedback from that. I mean, we've gotten feedback like I've been working for this company for 25 years and I've never received such a kind thank you card for being a good partner. So that's made a huge difference, both in the brand reputation of our compliance group at this company and also in overall engagement and satisfaction within the team. We take time to recognize each other And recognition goes so far. I mean, it's free, right? It doesn't cost you anything other than the time to say, you know what? That project you worked on was terrific. 
And I want to recognize all the work you put into it. And, you know, part of this is understanding how people like to be recognized too. Some people don't like public recognition. Some people really jive on it. But once you understand that about people and you provide recognition in a way and gratitude in a way that appeals to them, it really deepens the relationship. And it allows for a lot of progress in terms of your interpersonal interactions within the team and outside the team. I love the idea of the thank you cards. I'm going to take that little one away for me personally. Additionally, in order for you to be effective with all the various roles that you play in your life, it's of immense importance to be exceptionally organized. Please share with us some of your key tactics for keeping all of your balls in the air and those plates spinning. So for me, it comes down to four key things. Number one, when you can, outsource. This can be home activities, right? Treat yourself to a cleaning service at some point in time so that you don't have to do that if you're not getting passion out of cleaning your home. The second thing is delegate when you can. My husband and I, I'm very fortunate to have a fabulous husband. And I remember one of the first times that I had to leave town and he was taking, he was going to be in charge of the children. And I was terrified about this. And I said, how on earth, you know, this is going to be really hard. It was hard for me to let go. And my husband is retired after 20 years in the Marine Corps. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I handled a battalion of Marines in a war zone. I think I can handle a couple of kids in Minnesota for a weekend. (laughs) And so I decided, you know, delegation, like I don't have to do it all. And making sure that you're outsourcing and delegating properly in your personal life as well as your professional life is critical. The third thing is to ask for help and to give help when you can. Help will be there for you if you are ready to give it as well. And I don't know where I would be without the help that I've had from friends and family over the years. And then the last thing that I would say is find laughter. There should be laughter in your organization. There should be laughter in your life. If you're having problems finding it, I did a laughing yoga course once and it was terrific and it reminded (laughs) me to, to keep on laughing and it's so cathartic. But if you start to get to a point where you're losing laughter in your life, you know that something's kind of gone off the rails. Fantastic advice there from Lisa Beth. I think Lisa Beth has been right on the mark with a culture of kindness. I practice both random and deserved acts of kindness as much as possible in both personal and professional settings. A deserved act of kindness, for example, being exemplary service from a hotel staff member and asking if their manager is available to speak to in that moment. And if not, if I can have the email address of their boss to write a complimentary letter. I think there's way too much ease to defer to complaining only in this world when you want to speak to a manager. And so I make it a real effort to ensure that I'm addressing the equally as emotional good service that you get as well. And there's empirical evidence behind why we should be kind in the workplace. A recent study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences finds that single acts of kindness often start a ripple effect as others, so both the recipients and observers, embrace the positivity produced and share kindness themselves. This can be contagious in a workplace, especially when leaders are involved. So the research on emotional contagion shows that people are particularly likely to catch the emotions of their leaders. And the great thing about all of this is that there's further research by David Hamilton, which shows that kindness releases dopamine into the brain, making for happier folks exposed to it all around. That was the Great Woman in Compliance podcast with Mary Shirley and Lisa Beth Lentini on the Compliance Podcast Network. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.